All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Joining me today for the first time, Big Frank. RSO Frank, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. Frank, uh, for the people who have never met him before, is a range safety officer at the uh, Silverdale Gun Club, one of my longtime friends and uh, certainly a guy that I trust. And uh, he's joined us today, and hopefully we're going to get out some interesting conversation for you all to listen to. Frank, uh, let, let's let's start off with you and guns. All right? uh, I think that you've been in guns uh, for a long time now. Uh, I've been in the guns for better part of 40 years 40 years okay all right so now you know what i, I gotta ask I'll, i always like to hear the stories because you know what there's there's definitely one or two buried in there someplace uh, when you started in guns how old were you four four i four? was four years old four started shooting a daisy red rider bb gun when i was four years old shooting potato bugs <laughs> potato bugs <laughs> that's <Okay>. it <laughs> now th- you know what this this is something uh i've heard before a lot of people start with pellet guns uh i i happen to know that you're a very good shot i i certainly wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of one of your hunting trips if i was a deer out there somewhere in the woods uh so you started off with bb guns and you got yourself uh, a daisy red rider <laughs> you'll shoot your eye out kid kind of thing is that is that what that was that was it same one all right you know capable of a whole fucking 25 feet per second <laughs> yeah you could actually put your hand up against the muzzle of the gun pull the trigger and the bb would not even hit you <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> well now okay so you, you of course you know i imagine that at some point you would have gotten your own license uh were you were you 18 or did you get it a little bit earlier than uh, that? i got my actual fac when i turned 16 yeah. and back then it was called the hunter capability test three hours in class 25 question written exam yeah and then you had to go to the local gun club and have a shooting course where you fired three rounds into a life-sized animal target See, two of the three had to be a kill shot okay now see th- this is this is clearly a hunting oriented course yes right and and and, and back then uh, like I, I laugh today with people when i tell them how far firearms laws have come and and when i when i say that i mean like i remember submitting a full scap piece of paper back in like 1990 and you filled out uh, a questionnaire on this one single sheet of paper, signed it. It's, it basically said, I'm not crazy. I haven't been convicted of any indictable offenses. Uh, I haven't been, you know, given a pardon. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to do anything insane. And you signed it. And within 30 days, you were given a gun license. It, times were different. Oh, a lot different now compared to what they were. Yeah, I mean that was that was back before you know some major law changes, and uh, I remember, I remember when those happened. They came up with things like you know safe transport and uh, you know uh, storage laws, and uh, you know certainly there were additional hoops to jump through, and uh, you know you had to find yourself uh, getting references, and they actually checked them. Uh, but I remember you know going into the Hamilton uh, police station. And getting my gun license 30 days after I had, you know, submitted this piece of paper. And uh, I remember at the time I was only 18 years old, but I still lived at home with my parents. And the idea was is that uh, they weren't going to give me the ability to take a gun home that I bought. I, I purchased a, a Taurus, a PT-99, because I couldn't afford the Beretta. 
I it just it was it's two hundred and fifty dollars less. And while I was making something like four dollars and fifty cents an hour at a gas station, uh, you know, before I topped out at six dollars and fifty cents, yeah. I, I really couldn't afford the Beretta. So so I bought the gun already before I even had the license from Al Simmons gun shop. And when I got my license, I was super excited. And when I spoke to then uh, firearms uh, officer Vic Taransky, uh, when he found out I was eighteen, he lost his mind. He said he said, look. You you work at a gas station? I said, yeah. And he says, he says, do your parents know that you're going to get this gun? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, great. You get them to sign off on that, and I'll allow you to go pick up the gun. But until then, you know, you're going to have to let that thing sit at the gun store. So I, I brought it home to my father. And I read it very carefully. And you could tell that I was destined for a career in, 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 in law because uh, it said, uh, I blank am aware that Mark Morelli is applying for a gun license. And of course, my father looked at it and he said to me, he says, you know, does this mean you get to have a gun? And I said, no, 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 dad. They just want to know that you're aware that I've applied for a license, <laughs> you know, cause that's what, that's what the sheet said, right? It was yeah. just a photo static, you know, single sheet of paper. And he said, oh, and he signed it. And I'll tell you, man, my heart just jumped for joy. Cause I knew I was going right back to the police station with that piece of paper. It was another bus ride you know, that yeah. I had to take. And I went to the police station and back to the gun store. And I remember, I remember picking up the gun and, uh, I, I, I don't, it came in a hard case and I just put it in a Fortino's bag. And got up on the bus with it and rode uh, back to the police station because that was the process back then. You had to go to the police station, you know, and get it registered there. And then you get another permit to take it uh, home. And but long before I joined any gun club and, and certainly uh, times have changed. And, and you you would have some knowledge about how things work these days. And I'd love for you to share some of that with the audience. Like what, what's involved these days for the people that don't know uh, in getting a firearms license? Because a lot of people listen and watch uh, what we do here at the Canadian Gun Vault and, and and they're not sure. They haven't made that leap yet. Uh, what's involved in getting uh, a firearms license today? Well, compared to years ago, um, for example, I'd come home from school, drop the books, grab my shotgun, go up behind the house, do a little bit of hunting after school, Yeah. run the rail trail, get back out onto the main road, going to be unloaded across my shoulder, yeah. walking down the road, RCMP had stopped, asked what I was up to. I was just out doing a little bit of hunting. Where do you live? Well, I live down by Sergeant Morrow. Get in, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah. Shotgun to be sitting on the back seat. I jump in the front seat, have a couple of rabbits sitting between my feet on the floor of the car. He'd bring me right to the driveway. That, you know now, what, that, that's nuts. You know what would happen today. Now you'd have a SWAT team <laughs> with a boot down on your throat. Bearing down, I could, oh, you know what, could you, could you imagine, right, like walking down the side, like, I mean, I know it still happens in rural communities, but I mean, if you, if you tried that stunt today. Oh, you'd you be know, locked up in a heartbeat. Yeah, they would, well, they would, they would certainly, they would certainly have to go through the process of, you know, arresting you and figuring out what was going on yeah. first. But today... Uh, even just a non-restricted firearm today, uh, taking a PAL course, you're looking at a Friday evening for about four hours. Then you come back Saturday, you're looking at another uh, seven to eight hours. Okay. You're going to do a written test, 50 questions, multiple okay. choice. Mm -hmm. Back in my day, it was 25 questions yeah. handwritten. 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 No multiple choice. You'd have no to find, true or false. You'd have to find somebody that could still write yeah. cursive today. <laughs> be a, be yeah, they don't, they don't even write cursive today in high school it's, or it's, nothing. It's ridiculous. 
Then there was a practical test. Yeah, okay. And anytime you touch or put your finger in the trigger, you lose two points. Oh, okay. You do that often enough, it's enough to fail you. You know, I tell I tell people quite often. There's really, realistically, there's really only, in my opinion, two really important rules at the range. Keep your finger outside the trigger until you're ready to shoot, and keep it pointed in the correct direction. Exactly, and and, correct and, direction is downrange. Yeah, and, and you know what? And a lot of people are nervous when they show up for their, you know, their first trip to the range, uh, their very first outing, and you could see that you know people are excited, but they're also you know very nervous. I've seen a lot of clammy hands gripping on yeah. those guns, but ultimately, I tell people, look. You know, we, we will teach you everything that you need to know. If you can just follow these two simple rules, if you make any other mistakes, it's not a problem. As long as you don't point that gun in a direction that it shouldn't be, all right, and you don't put your finger inside the trigger guard until you're ready to shoot, everything else you can learn on the fly and make as many mistakes as you want. It won't cost anybody, you know, their safety. And I always tell people to ask questions. Oh, yeah. When you come to a range, ask questions. Members, other guests that are familiar with the rules will definitely help you out. Not only that, go on the gun club's websites mm -hmm. and check out the rules and regulations before you even come through the gate. Yeah. That's know, also a big help. You know, I think, I think a lot of people, too, are uh, operating under the misconception that gun owners are these grumbly old bastards that, that are not interested in helping people and are not interested in, you know, engaging socially. And nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, if you get to the gun range as a new shooter, like, I... I've always been this way, but I've never seen uh, so many welcoming personalities and people that are willing to take the time. And if you ask the question, they will engage and, and they will help you. And uh, there's there's a lot to learn. I mean, I'm still learning today. Uh, same with me. Being in the firearms trade for 40 plus years, I, there's always something we can learn. Uh, absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Constantly learning. There's new products on the market all the time. There's always a new technique being developed. Mm -hmm new ammunition yeah and yeah. we can always learn something bad habits i you know what like i mean bad habits not dangerous habits but bad habits you know like a lot of people sometimes will uh, develop these bad habits and will think that it's the correct way to do things for years i mean i like i, I see you looking at me already i'm sure you can think of you know a couple of things i have my own bad habits uh, we all do we yeah. all we all do all right but okay give me give me an example what's what's, what's, a, what's a bad habit you got come on Sometimes shooting too fast. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, sh sometimes shooting fast is fun. It is. <laughs> but it can get you in trouble if you're doing it in the wrong place. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Gun ranges are set up. They have certain ranges where you can shoot fast, and they have certain ranges where you cannot. And most people shoot where they can't. And it gets them in trouble. Oh, really? Are we talking yes. about are we talking about like longer ranges? Uh, some longer ranges, you're not allowed to shoot fast because of muzzle creep. Yes. And it can put a shot outside of the club where yeah. it can actually impact on somebody else's property. That can cause a huge problem for oh. the gun club yeah. because the gun club is responsible. Okay. And people do not realize that. Well, I mean, if a bullet lands someplace it shouldn't, I mean, forget, you know, that it's dangerous and uh, quite frankly, somebody could get hurt. But I mean, like you said, there's liability issues connected to it. And, exactly. uh, and certainly the club doesn't want, you know, to receive any uh, bad press in addition to take chances with people's safety. I, I think I think for the people that uh, haven't been shooting guns for very long or haven't shot them at all yet and are wanting to, you know, I always laugh and say, you know, the people the people that are working hard to join the uh, firearm community, uh, you know, should know that when you shoot guns, the faster you shoot guns, uh, the less likely you are to hit your target. It's that's not right. like, it's not like the movies, you know, you can't, you can't jump roll and, and that's not what goes on at the range. No. I think, I think some people believe that, 
you know, in addition to thinking that perhaps as a legal gun owner in this country that, you know, you load your gun before you leave your house, you tuck it into the back of your pants, and this is the United States of America. It's, it's not like that. It's not like that, nor is it at the gun ranges. We do not have people doing barrel rolls no. and, and jumping and jumping towards targets, firing their guns. That's, that's just ludicrous. It's, it's probably the, one of the safest environments on the planet. Even, uh, even competition shooters are not rolling around on the ground and jumping over barrels and stuff like that. No, no, they it's, will shoot from behind objects. It's, it's, it's a very controlled environment. It is. Uh, very, very tightly regulated. And, and certainly uh, the regulations are in place for people's safety. And that's, that's the number one thing uh, at any firearm club I've been to is safety is number one. And, and a lot of people, I don't think, realize, you know, uh, what kind of protocols in place. But like, like you said, you know, like certain places where you are allowed to shoot quickly. Uh, I know at Silverdale there are ranges where, you know, uh, while they may not encourage it, it's allowed. <laughs> it's allowed by certain people. By certain people. Okay. And then, and then you've got longer ranges. So if you've got a rifle, let's just say, for example, you've got a rifle, folks, and, and for the, this is for the people that, you know, haven't shot much. When you've got a rifle uh, and, and, you know, when you squeeze that trigger, that rifle is going to push back towards you. And, and the muzzle is going to climb. And if you're firing too fast, that muzzle will continue to climb. And, and the farther it climbs, the more likely you are to send a, a projectile over the berm and into areas where, you know, it might impact, you know, uh, you know, hell, a residential area. If it happens to be, you know, uh, within a couple of miles, it could happen. Yeah. And we do have residents and businesses out behind the gun club past mm -hmm. the berms. Yep. And we have had issues with rounds. Yeah, landing on their properties, and and this is and this is where the baffles come in. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, the need for the baffles. There's there's a large structure in front of the shooters uh, made of railway ties. I, I take it, and you know, yeah, there's railway ties with air gaps in between them yes. to stop the bullets from penetrating through. Yeah, so if you happen to you know elevate your muzzle to the point where it would be on an, such an angle that it could uh, exit the uh, you know target zone and and leave the range entirely, the baffles are designed to. Uh, Slow down or stop the round. Slow down or stop the bullet. I mean, they're railway ties. There are there isn't much that uh, would probably go through that. Not very much. There mm -hmm. is uh, a couple of high-powered rifles that do manage to get through. Yeah. But it does slow the rounds down enough that they will not reach the properties behind us. Well, I got a I got a buddy named Armin Gunn. He got maybe a twenty millimeter cannon that could probably. <laughs> I, I look at the I look at those railway ties. You know, when you say that there are a couple, I mean, you must you must be around some pretty big guns. Yeah, we were. Uh, calibrated for up to 50 caliber yeah so yeah the 50 cal will go through and probably still reach the properties what, 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 uh, so we're very very strict on uh, muzzle are, are, are there are there any uh ballistic um uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for here um is there are there cal calibers or rounds that are not permitted for use at the silver dog gun club we're not allowed anything that can explode on impact ignite on impact or basically any prohibited round by the Canadian government. Okay, so incendiary rounds are no forbidden, and and I think I think while that would be a lot of fun, uh, what, what what about tracer? Not allowed tracers. No either. tracers no. either. Okay, well, our, they, they can light the grass on fire when it's dry. Yeah, see, you know, I'm sure our American listeners are sitting there right now saying, "What? Like, I mean, I can't, I can't have tracers either. What? The, that's bullshit, yeah. Canada, right? No, but you could, you could potentially start a bushfire. Yeah, you can start a bushfire and, because we are surrounded by farm fields. Yes, and we're surrounded by bush and brush. And and, and firefighters could be a decent, uh, decent stretch away, and uh, there really isn't any place that they can get more water from. I imagine to uh, put something out like that yeah, so we, we do have some ponds for 
fire retardation. Yeah. But by the time the fire department gets there on a dry, hot summer day, yeah, that fire can get out of control. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, again, it all comes back to safety and uh, trying to avoid problems. I know that the uh, Silverdale Gun Club does their absolute best to ensure that, uh, you know, their their membership's safe and uh, certainly the communities that surround it are safe. And uh, you've uh, exercised every possible precaution uh, yeah, that I can think of. Yeah, no, no, no. You guys, you guys run a good show over there. I'm uh, I'm happy to shoot there once in a while, and uh, I definitely enjoy your facilities there and uh, the social aspects connected to uh, Silverdale are legendary. Yeah, there's a lot of people that come out just to socialize more than they actually shoot their yeah, guns. Yeah, big, big, you know what? I'm starting to think that Big Ed actually doesn't pull the trigger himself much anymore. He's like me, yeah. right? Gets, gets, he gets a kick out of watching other people shoot his guns. Yeah, he does. You know, and, and, and that's another trend that I'm seeing these days that's completely changed uh, from, from the early 90s. You know, once upon a time, and I, and I tell people this, once upon a time, you know, if you took your best friend out, you know, that was, you know, kind of a rare thing. You know, if you had a buddy that you shot with, you know, that was cool. But uh, now I'm seeing people in large groups coming out, like friends. They're like, I can't, I, you know, I want to go shooting. You know, everybody everybody wants to go shooting. And, and so now they're coming out in large groups and they're, you know, enjoying the experience that is, you know, firearms and uh, all the fun that goes along with it. And I'm seeing I'm seeing that change, that, that shift, uh, you know, in trends where people that never would have gone to the gun range before are interested. Yep, we're seeing the same trend, and a lot of times you'll come out with a friend or two or three. Uh, just remember, it is a one-to-one ratio at our club, uh, where you're allowed one unlicensed guest for every licensed person. You'll bring three, four guns with you, and by the time your friends are uh, done shooting, mm-hmm. they've probably shot a hundred guns. Yeah. Because a lot of people will share what they have with them, especially that, if you show interest in what uh, somebody else is there shooting. And, and and that's the thing that I've seen change, yeah. uh, really change, especially in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, there were, once upon a time, you know, you walked up to the line, you shot your guns, you packed up, you went home. You probably didn't say too much to the people around you. No. Uh, I certainly broke free of that, uh, you know, quite some time ago, and I, I, I insist on talking to people. I love talking to people. Same with me. Uh, I bring out a lot of my uh, my firearms myself. Uh, I got a couple of guns that I particularly like to shoot myself. Yeah. And uh, it's one of these things, you know what? You got uh, your 15-year-old kid with you. You know what? Maybe you'd like to shoot the Beretta FS92. Yeah. Maybe you'd like to shoot the Sat, the Shadow SP01 Tactical. Come on over and try them out. Yeah. Let the 15-year-old kid shoot them. And you know and what? You know it, what? They walk away with a smile on their face. Oh yeah, I see. I see a lot of smiling faces. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly, certainly people. For some people, you know, a 92 FS is actually a dream gun. You know, like I mean, it was you, one of my dream yeah, guns. Yeah, well, you were you were a diehard, you yeah. know, lethal weapon fan. I'll bet yeah. growing up. You know what? Trying to pretend I'm Mel Gibson, putting a happy, happy, <laughs> happy face on the target. I still can't do it. We, but. We've, all, we've all tried it. That's movie magic. It right? is. You know, it never works in real life. No. At least no. not for me. See, you know, there's a subject I'd like to talk to you about because, you know, for years uh, I used to try and dispel the myths at, uh, you know, in in, in the policing community. Uh, a lot of people are operating under the terrible misconception that police, A, know a lot about guns and so, B, can shoot guns well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Before before you before you tear <laughs> tear into the policing community, I, I know, know that they only get a once a year qualifier and there aren't many services that still encourage their men to shoot and women to shoot. Uh, I better, I better, they're people. 
people kind. Yeah, people kind. <laughs> people kind. Don't get me started on uh, that. Uh, well, you know what? If, 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 if this conversation turns political, it's going to get ugly fast, <laughs> folks. Very I, ugly. You know what? We, may, we, we, we have to flip on the R rating now. All right? uh, no, triple X rating. Triple X rating. No, but like if you if, if, if you had to identify maybe some movie magic myths, like, I mean, something, the public, like, I mean, when you get people coming in fresh that have never shot guns before, uh, you know, they're probably surprised by some things. Like, I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, imagine that the gun is going to kick more or that, you know, it's going to do something that, you know, they, they have no idea. Like I, I've seen people, they, 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 they don't even understand, uh, you know, how, how a gun is loaded or, or the concept behind how it operates. And, and it's almost like magic when you finally explain it to them and they see it and it, it comes together quite quickly. It's just a machine. Aiming and recoil is probably the most they're surprised about. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They don't know how to aim the gun. Yeah. They think they can just pick it up and pop somebody in the head at a uh, hundred yards yeah. while they're running. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Every, everybody thinks they yeah. can shoot, right? Cause they've seen a movie. And the first time they pull their trigger is usually their best shot yes. because they're not expecting yes. the recoil, yep. especially on just a, a basic nine millimeter. Yep. Their second shot, they're probably hitting two feet low. Two feet low. Because see, they're pulling the gun down. And, and not to make fun of the new people, but I mean, I'm sure that you've seen the ground jump up in front of the target. Quite a few times. Quite often. Yeah. And, and, and I I've, I have the same um, sensation. Like, I mean, I've seen that quite a bit. That first shot, uh, you know, they're, they're aiming carefully. They don't know what to expect. The, the gun goes off. They, they land one, like, right near the bullseye. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're immediately, uh, you know, elated. And then following that, you know, the ground in front of the target takes a beating. But, you know, a lot of times... And they're it, only 10 yards away. Yeah. And, and a lot of people seem to think that, you know, you can, you can just, you know, point a gun, shoot it and hit that it's, it's an acquired skill. It's, it's, it's one that requires a lot of patience and, and time to, to learn. And some people pick up on it really fast. Some do, some don't. And I've actually seen a five-year veteran RCMP officer yeah. hit the ground at 10 yards. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not surprising. Not surprising. But when you only use 200 rounds a year to qualify with yeah. and you shoot once a year, what yeah. do you expect? True. True. I, and, and the other thing too, is I've noticed a lot of people, uh, think that girls can't shoot. Most times girls can shoot better than the guys can. I know. It, like, well, and you know I what? see it a lot. Well, th well, you know what I find, and this is going to sound really awful. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of feminists that are going to jump all over me for this one. But I mean, girls listen. They do. They listen. They I, listen a lot more than the guys do, especially at the gun club. You know, they follow instruction well. Yeah. And I'm sure, like I said, somebody's going to jam on me for that one. But, you <laughs> know, like, truth be told, it, it, it is a skill set. Uh, it's, it's something that requires, you know, dedication, like I said. And, and if, you, if you listen to proper instruction and you pay attention, uh, you'll pick up on it. If you have any kind of hand-to-eye coordination or, or a sense of focus, you, you can do this. It's not, it's not the kind of activity that, that can't be done if you have any kind of physical capability. I, I find that girls uh, pay, pay closer attention attention they they listen uh when you uh correct uh perhaps some shortcomings in their style and or their form uh whereas guys guys want to blast away guys are macho yeah yeah it's the they're tough guys it's the, it's the testosterone yeah. makes it you is. miss all right yeah. I, give, give me give me a brand new female shooter with a gun and you know what i'll, I'll have her hitting inside of 20 minutes or less or less yeah yeah, yeah. and i uh, trust a, a new female more than I trust a, a new male shooter. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, and over the years, I gotta ask. Like, I mean, you, you've been there at Silverdale for a number of years. Um, I'd ask you about the number of accidents, because okay? I think this is a big one. Uh, 
accidents at Silverdale. Over the span of, I heard a rumor that over the span of something like 40 or 50 years of, of that club being in operation, was it, was, how long has it been in operation now? Like 30 uh, years? It's closer to 60 years. 60 years. Okay, yeah. so this club has been in operation for 60 years, serving the firearm community. And, you know, what have we had? Like two accidents, three accidents, something like that? I'm um, not sure. No, I think it was two. Yeah, it's it's it, a lot of people seem to think that you know shooting firearms is terrifically dangerous because of the safety protocol in place, uh, because such time and care and uh, you know attention uh, to to main, maintaining that safety level, uh, they don't have accidents. No. It, like like hockey is hockey's way more dangerous. Yeah, right. I, like I, I wouldn't want my kid playing football. Gymnastics is more dangerous. Oh yeah, dancing well, is da- more dangerous. Well, when I when I dance, I always hurt myself. <laughs> That's right. why I don't dance. That's why you don't dance. <laughs> uh, so, so now you know what you you being at Silverdale, uh, you know you obviously uh, have shared with me that you you know enjoy your time there. Yeah, uh, you get to experience uh, you know the uh, the excitement that new shooters have when they when they pick up on this. I like. I mean, I've taught a lot of new shooters. How yeah, to shoot. yeah, and, and I mean, and, and have you found many of them are getting their licenses? Quite a few have. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you any numbers, no. but I've seen uh, a lot of the faces coming back. Yeah. And they're showing me their PALs. They're Good. proud. Good. I love hearing and that. Even women are coming back by themselves. Yeah. And they're getting their PALs. Yeah. Single yeah. women, married women doesn't matter they're coming back even without their husbands and, and, and they've gotten their pals you, I, i'm sure in some cases that's uh, that's absolutely true uh, i'm i'm sure there's quite a few women out there that would like to get away from their husbands <laughs> and 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 spend a little time uh you know with a little recoil therapy yeah. and uh, the good people over there at silverdale i i definitely have spent uh you know a number of years uh, trying to um you know, expand people's minds a little bit as it relates to you know enjoying something like this a lot of people don't realize how much they're going to love it it's a great way to relieve stress yep it's a great way to come out and just relax for an afternoon fresh, um, fresh air people don't realize 22 caliber firearms they're cheap the ammunition is cheap you can come out and plink all afternoon for 40 bucks yeah you can move up you can shoot your uh, 308s your 223s mm. your 30 odd sixes and go back to your 22s you can make a great day of it absolutely especially if you're bringing a friend with you yeah let them shoot the 22s no recoil they're accurate to 50 60 70 meters and then you can go to the bigger calibers let them have a little bit more feeling for a little bit more power and you can have a great time okay well you know what that brings me to my next question you've been in the industry for a long time and you would know this uh what would you suggest First handgun for a buyer. I always tell people, 22 caliber and a nine millimeter. Yeah, I've got a lot of people that show up with 45s or 40 cal's, and they can't handle the recoil. No, no, they, they, they can't hit the targets at 10 yards. But yet you put a nine mil or a 22 in their hands, and they're hitting or just about hitting the bullseyes, no problem. Yeah, I, they're a little bit cheaper to shoot. Yes, and they're a little bit more manageable. Yep. Yep, you know, I, I, and, and that's been my finding as well. Uh, I, I've I've always told people get yourself a twenty two, but expect if you want to just move up and graduate, and you don't want to have you know that many guns in your collection, maybe you'll get you know maybe start with a nine if you if you're if you're not prepared to you know get a twenty two and maybe sell it someplace down the road because a lot of people a lot of people do get bored with twenty two uh, after after they spend a couple of months shooting it, they want more, uh, and some people some people don't 
don't own more than one gun, although I can't imagine. I they, can't they, imagine why. I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like anymore. <laughs> Me either. All right? But, but, but like, you know, okay, so, so your, your recommendation, a 22 and then a 9, is there a specific model of 22 for, for hand pistol? Come on, give me, give, me, give me your favorite. What do you think are some of the better ones? Some of the better 22s probably you're looking at the Smith & Wessons or the uh, Brownings. Okay, well, like, they, seem, they seem to hold up. The victory, not, the victory is that is that what you're talking about? That Smith and Wesson victory is the that. The victory is very nice. I like that victory. Yeah. They're accurate. It's heavy though. They're heavy, but a heavy gun is a good gun. It's not. It's you know though. It's not a really balance. It's not a really big gun, but it's no. a heavy gun. It's a solid gun. And they're going to hold up. Some of the yeah. more polymer ones. Um, I'm going to knock Sig here. Yeah. Stay away from the Sig mosquitoes. Yeah. They've never fixed the problem where the front breaks. Really. Yeah. And you've seen a number of examples come on through, yeah. and that's based on and your experience and exposure to them? We had a couple at the gun club that broke on us, yeah. and we used them for training purposes. And yeah. even some of our members, they're all breaking in the same place. Really? It's that front block that breaks off. Hmm. And even uh, with some of the social media they're uh, posting the same way. Really? Yeah. Okay, so this is this is this is a ongoing it's problem. It's an ongoing like. issue with the Sig Mosquito 22s. What do you think of the Ruger? Right, the the Ruger, like the Mark III and the Mark IVs. The Rugers are great pistols. Yeah. Especially the 22s, the Mark IIs, Mark Threes. They're very difficult to strip and clean. Yeah. Because of that hammer spur. Yes. If you're going to go with the any of the Ruger 22s, I would suggest the new Mark IV. Yeah. They're very easy to take apart. Yep. They're, I'm going to say idiot-proof because of the way they're designed. No such thing. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing, buddy. But uh, they're very easy to take apart and clean. Yeah. And again, they're durable just like the Mark II's, Mark III's were. All right. 9mm pistol. Favorite? Oh, look at you on the spot. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite is going to be the Glock because of their durability. Yeah. I've got uh, two Glocks of my own right now, and one's pushing about 200,000 rounds. Uh, my older Glock is pushing almost 700,000 rounds. Should be, you, know, you should be a poster child for Glock, <laughs> right? 200,000 rounds through a gun. That, that poor thing, I feel... Now, have you ever placed parts on that thing? Uh, the one I've replaced the slide on. Yeah. Uh, that one's pushing uh, 700,000 rounds. See, you know what? I know you're a practical guy, and you've told me the name of the gun that has continuously worked for you almost trouble-free, right, for the, for the duration of 200,000 rounds. But your favorite gun to shoot... My favorite gun to shoot is probably my Smith & Wesson model, 686 357 Okay, Magnum. so you're, you're switching over to revolvers. I'm, I'm a revolver guy. I know you're a revolver. And, and a lot of people a lot of people dismiss revolvers. They they don't think that they're a viable you know, uh, option these days. You know, like, why, why would you buy something that has technology that's well over 100 years old when you could have a semi-automatic? Revolvers are a blast. Revolvers are a blast. They actually slow you down. Yes. They change your way of thinking. Yep. Because you only got six rounds. Yes. Some of the newer revolvers out on the market, of course, now have seven, eight, or nine round cylinders. Yes. But I competed Ipsic with my revolver. You're a madman. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, like Jerry Mishaluk, I've seen, I've seen you reload right fast, yeah. and it, it's it's comical to watch because you you wouldn't think that you could maybe switch out magazines faster than a well, guy with a you know. I haven't uh, been practicing now for the last bunch of years because of a back injury, but. Uh, 
I'm still fairly quick, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know what? Revolvers definitely have a, a really special place in my heart. I'm a Magnum yeah. guy, and I and I love I love the revolver design. It's very simple. It's very reliable. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, revolvers are very accurate. They're inherently accurate. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear that you uh, you know have a favorite in the 686. You said. Yeah, it's the 686. Yeah. Uh, I've had it uh, close on 20 years. Yeah. Still ticking? Still ticking. Still ticking. Timing is starting to get off on it right now, though, because of the amount of use it's had. Okay. Especially with competition. Shotgun? Shotgun. Um, favorite boomstick? Favorite boomstick right now would probably have to be my Weatherby SA08 semi-automatic 12. Is that that flyweight thing? Uh, it ain't nope. no flyweight. No? Wait, no. Okay, well, you know what? I'm getting confused with the uh, one of the other ones there that we spoke about earlier. So, anyway, tell me, tell me a little bit about this gun. Uh... Bought it uh, at Land Shooting Supplies. Yeah. Uh, came in. They were new to Canada. Seth brought them in before he passed away, God rest his soul. Yeah. And he gave me a bit of a deal on it. Yeah. He said, they're new to the country. Here's the price I'll give you, but do me a favor. Put a thousand rounds through it before you clean it. If it breaks, I'll replace it for free or give you your money back. Ooh. I put a thousand rounds for that semi-auto shoot and trap. Yeah. Flawlessly. Really? Yep. It was a synthetic. Yeah. And it's got the uh, coating on the barrel for saltwater duck hunting. Hmm. And I told him, he said, well, you might as well clean it. I must have put another 500, 500 rounds through it before it acted up. Wow. So approximately 1,500 rounds before that thing started to even think about acting up. See, now, in, in, when I was growing up, semi-automatics were known to be finicky. Yeah. Semi-automatics were known, you know, to jam up. Uh, you, you went to a pump if you wanted a reliable shotgun. Yeah. You know, the 870 is still one of my all-time favorite shotguns. Uh, in terms of semi-automatic technology, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say that, uh, but there's, there's definitely a lot that's out there on the market. I, I always tell people that are, you know, coming into the sport, don't, uh, don't discount the possibility that, you know, maybe the most expensive option Option isn't going to be, you know, your best one. And uh, you can still get an 870 for a decent price in this country. The problem with the newer 870s right now, they mm. don't seem to like today's modern sh shells. No. The metal on the shells is thin. Yes. So when it uh, goes off, it expands and it sticks in the chambers. So you really got to you really so got to work at it. Really got to work at it. A um, little bit of polishing of the chambers usually corrects that issue Yeah. on most of them, not all. Okay. But that Weatherby SA08 of mine, I can take a three-inch number four turkey load, mm -hmm. ounce and seven-eighths, and double tap it and stay on target. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good gun for a cheap semi-auto. And, and last but not least, best bang for your buck, bolt-action rifle. Ooh, I got you thinking. I see the hamster running a mile a minute in that wheel upstairs. <laughs> I've got I've got a couple of bolt action rifles that I like. Yeah, my, my favorite is my uh, Model Seven Hundred Remington Thirty Six. Yep, still have the factory iron sights on it, which mm -hmm. I was just out uh, using today at the gun club because mm -hmm. I knocked the front sight off of it last year deer hunting. Yeah, so I had to re refit it, and at uh, two hundred yard or sorry, a hundred meters today. I was still doing a, about a four-inch group, even though I was uh, playing with the front sight. You just, so, you just slapped that thing on and went to town. slapped it on, went to town. So <laughs> I got to do a little bit of refinement on it yet. And uh, my target gun, I've got a uh, 
Savage Access 308. Uh, a couple of pictures have been posted of that one on uh, social media a few times. Uh, and at 200 yards, factory one 150 grain federal ammunition that'll do uh, less than an inch group. Right on. But right. that's got the target barrel on. And, it. and what's the price point on something like that? Uh, the uh, Sa- the Remington 30-06. I bought that used probably 15 years ago yeah. from uh, Niagara Police. It was one of their sniper rifles. I got that for 400 bucks. You seriously? You got one of them? Yeah. Oh, police trade-in sniper rifle? Yeah. I want you to call me right, <laughs> when you decide to part with that thing. No, that's that's my baby. Dave, Dave and I are going to have to arm wrestle you for that one. Yeah. I'm, I, you know what? Okay, and the access, what's the price point, price point of that access? Because I think I think that's that's where I'm going with this for sure is, is I think that's a, a good bang for your buck type item. That Savage Access ran me uh, just over $700. That's incredible because yeah. that, that, that kind of performance level right, uh, in, in a package that costs sub $1,000 $1, is actually really good. And that's with a six-pound factory trigger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's fantastic. And and the other thing too is, I know uh, between you and Bugsy, you're the most knowledgeable hunters I've ever come across. And I and I love listening to you talk about the hunting trips. And I love, you know, uh, when you share that knowledge. If, for somebody that was just getting into hunting, right, and and wanted to get into hunting, you know, I'm looking for a recommendation because there's always something that uh, you know is is one of those overlooked items that's easily missed and and something that maybe you could recommend to people just getting into hunting right what what would it be what would be the one thing that maybe you would tell people uh they should do or should get uh should buy uh, what what would you suggest they they do or purchase in order to you know improve uh as, as a hunter their their experience or maybe their success rate Definitely a good bolt-action rifle. Yeah. Um, I've seen too many semi-automatic rifles jam Mm -hmm. because of some kind of debris, whether it's uh, pine needles getting into the actions, uh, freezing up uh, bolt-action rifles. You can pound on them pretty good. Yeah. So really cold weather, you can just slam that bolt, and it'll chamber. Speaking of cold weather, clothing, gear. I mean, something that you would recommend to people? Uh, Myself? A lot of my clothing is from Canadian Tire. Yeah. You don't have to go to Bass Pro or Cabela's and spend 300 bucks on a jacket and no. uh, three, 400 bucks on a pair of pants. No. Any particular brands that stand out in your mind or no? No, not really. No? Uh, like I said, most of my stuff is Canadian Tire brand. Yeah. Uh, Mossy Oak, because most times you're just going to be putting an orange vest over it anyway. Uh, yeah, so it makes sense. Makes as sense. long as it can keep you warm and dry, that's the main thing. Um Otherwise, if you do go to uh, Bass Pro or somewhere like that, the redhead stuff is acceptable. Cool, cool. You know what? Well, just make sure it's big enough to put a sweater underneath. Wise words coming to us from Big Frank. Frank, you know, that's about all the time that we have for tonight's show. I really appreciate you coming out and uh, joining us for tonight's episode. Appreciate being on. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Fabulous. Well, all right, folks. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.